This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, let's start right there. Uh, as you, from your vantage point in Paris, as you're watching what's happening uh, in Spain, uh, what is your level of concern uh, to your, about your, what's happening with your neighbor? Thank you very much, and thank you very much for your invitation this morning. Um, of course, we are watching closely what is happening in Spain. It is partly what we see in a lot of Western democracies, which is more difficult coalitions, home parliament sometimes. We can sit in a lot of parliamentary democracies across the EU, across Europe. Uh, what is interesting, I think, is that it was expected that far right would be extremely high. Actually, the far right party lost ground, which proves that when we fight, uh, on European issues, pro-Europe agenda, pro-reform agenda, pro-democracy and Western values agenda, as Pedro Sanchez and the main right-wing party did, they can be first. And now there are discussions on the coalition that will probably take uh, some weeks. But I think it's also a positive signal that far-right is not on the rise, which cannot be stopped in, in European democracies and European countries. Tell us what you're seeing around you and what we should expect today. Well, Jonathan, as you can see, we are seeing thousands of Israeli protesters braving the summer heat, gathering in front of the Israeli parliament in a last-ditch effort to try to stop this legislation. Earlier on today, we saw them blocking roads, Israeli police using water cannon to try to dislodge them. A number of arrests were made. But, Jonathan, this is really the last roll of the dice for this protest movement that has been so sustained for seven months leading to what many think is the biggest political crisis in Israel's history. Few people alive today can remember a moment when this country was as divided as it is right now. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, if he were here, would tell you that this legislation is necessary to curb the powers of the unelected Supreme Court and restore the supremacy of the Israeli parliament. But many of these demonstrators will say they genuinely believe that if the legislation today goes through, it is the beginning of the end of Israeli democracy, and it is not just the people on the streets who are afraid of that. Big business today announcing that 150 of Israel's largest companies are closing their doors. These are shopping malls. These are major stores in protest at these legislation. And Jonathan, there is a real danger that what started as a political crisis may turn into a security crisis over the weekend. 
thousands of Israeli military reservists have said they will stop showing up for duty if this legislation goes through. And this is having a particular impact on the Israeli Air Force. In some squadrons in the Air Force, half of the pilots are reservists as opposed to regular duty. And if those reservists don't show up, it is not clear that the Israeli Air Force can continue to function at full strength. We caught up yesterday with Guy Pallon. He is a one of the protest leaders here. He's also a former fighter pilot. And he explains why these pilots who have dedicated their lives to defending this country have taken this drastic step. Take a listen to what he had to say. We're not going to continue to risk our lives going to serve in an air force of a country that is not democratic. It's as simple as that. Israeli democracy will not be the same. And if this means confrontation with our brothers in Israel who think differently, then we're sorry, but this is what it's going to be. You're either for this kind of legislation or you're fighting against it. And this is something that has never happened in 75 years of existence of Israel. And frankly, it's frightening. It has been determined that the Supreme Court will interpret the Constitution. They want what's called popular constitutional, right. which is we the people interpret the Constitution. I don't really know. I mean, we all get a chance to interpret it as we see fit. Right. But it comes down to who wins the presidency, who appoints justices, and it all comes back to that was Donald Trump. Right. And the, his legacy is still there at the Supreme Court. They want to control everything. They, they don't control the House. You see how powerful that's been for House Republicans. And they don't control the Supreme Court, and that's a big problem for them. I, I, I understand these... Uh, two authors, they have uh, worked five years to su to expand the Supreme Court. Uh, and Oh, they want to pack uh, they it. They want to pack right, it. Right, exactly. And when Brett Kavanaugh, after he was uh, confirmed, they took part in something called the 12021 Project uh, about expanding federal courts, packing federal courts with liberal judges. And this is a Harvard professor, so you too can send your kid for 100 grand to go become an idiot at Harvard. Didn't mm. you go to Harvard? Yeah. What? That's why I'm an idiot. <laughs> Monday, 24 July, the year of our Lord, 2023, a lot going on in the world today. And it ties back and is inextricably linked to MAGA and this populist movement in the election of 2024. Um, we have Spain, where the, uh, where the center-right party and the right-wing MAGA party of Vox uh, came very close. They'll put together a government, but not, uh, didn't get the majority they hoped for thwarted by the administrative state, all of the bureaucrats, every, everybody in the Spanish bureaucracy that has destroyed Spain and allowed this invasion uh, from North Africa to occur, uh, thwarted uh, the movement over there. They're very close to putting together a majority, but thwarted it. Get ready for that in 2024. In addition, in Israel, I would argue Caroline Glick's going to be here in a while. We get Ben Harnwell in Rome. I would argue that there is a, um, a left-wing uh, military coup led by Ehud Barak and others, uh, military coup to thwart uh, changes in the Constitution there. Of course, all of it, I guess they don't have a Constitution, but change, change the law over there about the courts. Of course, everything is the war against democracy. That's what you're going to hear. It's all the war against democracy. In fact, you are the domestic terrorists that are against democracy. Um, it's not about them rigging elections and not about them rigging uh, judicial systems. And then he heard about this, uh, the, the radical court packing ideas, whether at the Supreme Court, uh, court packing at the federal courts, 
uh, all of it about a popular constitutionalism where it can be interpreted by the will of the people, by democracy. You're seeing it all right there. It all ties back to 2024 and President Trump. And, of course, a huge article in The Washington Post we'll get to later that Biden's not even running a campaign. He's kind of in the White House. Dr. Jill Biden, or up in Delaware most of the time, she's giving him mashed peas and, um, and peaches with the bib on. But they've raised two ba- – their whole campaign is going to be by outside groups, this, these dark money groups, m- much of the money coming from foreigners – um, that is raised two billion dollars, and at every state, uh, at the state level, and throughout the nation, that's how they're going to run the campaign. They've kind of they've kind of um, outsourced it to these outside groups, but it's a global fight of the populist nationalists versus uh, the globalists. And I want to bring in Ben Harnwell first. Uh, ben, we've got uh, Spain, Israel, and Ukraine. I'd ask you to stick around too. We got Caroline Glick is going to join us to explain the Israel uh, situation. Um, walk me through first of your thoughts on on Spain. We thought we were going to get a resounding victory. We didn't quite get to get a, we have a victory, but they still got to put together a coalition government on the right. Uh, ben Harnwell. Good morning, Steve. We're looking at Spain. The interesting result here, and this isn't one that I see in the mainstream media picking up on. But really, I think the key takeaway here is there's been a centripetal force in, in amongst the electorate pushing. The, uh, the, the, the vote towards the four cent- largest parties, that is the two centrist parties, the centre-left and the centre-right, but then also what's called the far-right and the far-left, uh, which, which are in neither case worthy of the name. Um, and that's what we've really seen to the expense of the, 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 the huge plethora of, of quite smaller parties. In fact, Steve, in fact, if you take the, the, the centre-right and Vox together, their vote, and I'm talking about share of the vote here, I'm not talking about seats, share of the vote increased from 2019 with 35.9% all the way up to 45.5% yesterday. The socialists and the hard left, they've also seen an increase. This is what I'm saying about the the expense of all the the smaller parties. Their share of the vote went from 40.9 to 44.0. So it's really a, a concentration around these two polls. Everyone is saying that the result of Vox was, was disappointing. Uh, and obviously that they've lost about 50% of their parliamentary representation. But looking at the actual turnout, they got 15.1% in 2019 um, and 124 this time around. So, so their overall share of the vote fell really by 2.7%, which is which is dis- disappointing from a certain uh, prospect, but it's not the absolute meltdown that the parliamentary arithmetic might suggest. Yeah, but this is uh, the, the key point for people here in the United States. This is a populist nationalist versus globalist. The Socialist Party and its uh, offshoots are just nothing more than the Democrats over here. They're open borders. They control the entire bureaucracy. That's why... They came in hard at the end, right, about – and they control the voting mechanisms, the voting apparatus. Um, the, the, the center right and the right will get a chance to put together government, correct? The, and they are – remember, Vox is much – Vox is like MAGA when it comes to – when it comes to um, – it comes to immigration. It comes to the invasion of their country and also the cultural issues, transgenderism, the grooming 
the LGBTQ agenda, all of it. They will. You think in the next day or two they'll get the chance to put together a government? I don't know, Stephen. I will never underestimate the ability of the establishment to protect itself when it comes to the apportionment of power. I'm not ruling out the possibility that the that the socialist Prime Minister Sanchez, even though he hasn't come in with, with the largest party, um, I wouldn't put it past him and the, the powers that govern Spain to succeed in keeping him in power, at least until uh, a, a, a subsequent election. Don't forget, in 2015 and in 2019, Spain was obliged to have double general elections in each year because it hadn't been able to provide a parliamentary majority with, with a stable government. That is the most likely out, outcome in Spain this time around. But who takes the crown, as it were, is, is uh, the, the current debate. And, I, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out the, the socialists keeping their hands on it for the time being. Give me, uh, give me your assessment before we go to break, Rev. Caroline Glick. In the next segment, give me your take on uh, what's happening in Israel this morning. Oh, Steve, just to come back to, uh, yes, I will, just to come back to Spain, that you, you liken Vox to Mago, and that is the, the, the best analogy there is. That with one important difference, Vox is very good um, on, on the pro-family, anti-woke agenda, but it is um, thoroughly in the Ukraine camp rather than um, taking a position of, of studied neutrality. For example, the, 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 the policy pushed by uh, Viktor Orban. And that might also have been uh, 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 one of the uh, reasons for Vox's um, disappointing result yesterday. With regards to, to Israel, um, I'm going to make a suggestion here. What we've been talking about, sort of, I, I think, since I've been on this show for the last two years, is really the defense of the Judeo-Christian West. And we've been in, uh, applying that paradigm, really, to the Christian part of the Judeo-Christian West, the, 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 the countries with, with a Christian heritage. I would suggest that this is really the same thing that we're actually seeing in Israel now. Obviously, however, with the emphasis on the Judeo part of the Judeo-Christian tradition. Um, there are a number of different um, um, vantage points that one can see what's going on. You mentioned the possibility that, that former Prime Minister Ehud Barak is, is leading a military coup. In addition to that, not in conflict with that, but in addition to that, um, I would also suggest this is really the last gasp of a secular, um, culturally Jewish, but not religiously Jewish elite trying to hold on to the power that they've had via the, via the Supreme Court. Oh. Hang on, short commercial break. We're going to return in the war. We've got a lot to go through. Politics, capital markets, the economy, culture, all of it on a Monday in July in the war room. Well, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the U.S. dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. 
Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what they're buying. Gold. Follow their lead. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings, too. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. Do it today. Follow the central banks of the BRICS. Take action, 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 and take that action today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. We've got a lot to get to this morning, including we got Kirk Cameron a little later, Dr. Simone Gold. Um, Natalie Winters is going to join us. Uh, another huge weekend for Sound of Freedom. Of course, a massive weekend for Oppenheimer. And uh, who was it? Uh, Ginger Gates' favorite film, Barbie. So we'll talk all about the cultural aspects of all of that, including uh, Sound of Freedom is at over $125 million, I think, just another blockbuster weekend for that film with no marketing money. I uh, want to bring in now an old friend and colleague, Carolyn Glick, uh, who knows Israel, I think, better than anybody. Caroline, can you just walk this out? Because this is a very underreported story. We've talked about it briefly over the last couple of weeks or a couple of months. Just first off, walk us through exactly what's going on in Israel, and then we can talk about what I say is a, a left-wing military coup. Uh, and I'm trying to draw analogies between what happened in Spain yesterday and what's happening in Israel mm-hmm. right now, and the Fox folks talking about this popular constitutionalism where they're trying to throw out Trump judges is all part, uh, inextricably linked to what's going on here in America. Caroline Glick, the floor is yours, ma'am. Thanks so much for having me on your program. Um, and by the way, people can also uh, get more information on my website, carolynglick.com, and from my uh, podcast, uh, The Carolyn Glick Show, um, which is on Rumble and YouTube and all the podcast channels. Um, but I was just going to say, um, when you look at Israel and, and the United States, it's, there are a lot of similarities. Um, and I'm just going to Pull out a few. I think that the best way to look at what's happening is from the vantage point that um, Angelo Cotavilla uh, laid out in his book, The Ruling Class. Um, and in Israel, uh, our ruling class is more powerful and less concerned about um, being modest about their power, I would say, than you have in other countries where people try to be a little bit more circumspect. Um, and in Israel, the, the ruling classes it lost the majority, their electoral majority in the country already uh, in the mid-1970s. And uh, that led to the Likud's first rise to power in 1977, 29 years after Israel was formally established in 1948. And since then, this class has really continued to control policy on a on on a sometimes on quite a granular level because granular level because uh, all of the senior positions in the permanent state of Israel are controlled by them, and over time as their grip on political power became um, 
uh, more and more impossible to see that they would actually win stable majority coalitions, uh, uh, be able to uh, form a government without right-wing elements, or most recently, uh, anti-Israel Arab political parties that side with Israel's enemies. Um, they have expanded through uh, fiat, um, the powers of the permanent state, and the institution that's been carrying out most of the absconding of the powers of Israel's elected leaders in our parliament, the Knesset, and in our government um, is the Supreme Court of Israel. Beginning already in the early 1990s, some would say in the mid-1980s, Israel's Supreme Court began seizing more and more of the powers of the executive, of the government, and of the Knesset. They seized for themselves the justices, the right that appears nowhere in Israeli law to cancel, to abrogate duly uh, legislated laws by the Knesset, and also uh, duly promulgated policies of the government. Um, and they've done this gradually over time. Over time, they've seized control as well as the of the attorney general's office, the state prosecution. So they've managed to wield uh, supreme power essentially over everything in Israel through judicial and later uh, bureaucratic fiat. Um, and this has really, it was something that happened kind of behind the scenes. Israelis weren't aware of it. They weren't focused on this. They seized the power to abrogate laws, for instance, the week that Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated in 1995, so that everybody's head was, uh, you know, directed in a completely different direction when this happened. And, um, and so they've done this over time. And as time has passed, more and more Israelis from all of these different groups have been harmed by this situation. So initially, uh, there was no public cognizance of what was happening as it was happening. And then suddenly you had distinct groups of Israelis, uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews, um, religious Zionists uh, who lived there in, in uh, Israeli communities beyond the uh, 1949 armistice lines, what are usually derogated as settlements. Uh, in Judea and Samaria and uh, and uh, unified Jerusalem, uh, they started being harmed by this because the people who are wielding this power aren't simply apparatchiks who are interested in holding power for power's sake, but increasingly, particularly over the past generations, they become hardened, anti anti religious, um, anti nationalist, um, globalist radicals in sort of your parlance. Uh, who don't believe in a Jewish national uh, home, a nation state of the Jewish people, uh, and whose um, and whose uh, sort of social milieu is uh, has more affinity to the Democrats in the United States, the progressives in the United States, to the Europeans uh, in Brussels, etc. So they've been using the power that they've unlawfully seized. And, and and over all of this period, uh, through a lot of different things, um, a block of Israelis was formed um, of, of uh, parties that represent groups inside of Israel whose rights have been uh, harmed by uh, the permanent state operating at the leadership of the Supreme Court. And so I've been writing about this issue for over 20 years. Um, and initially, I was the only person writing about it in the Israeli media. And then, you know, over time, more and more and more 
Israelis became cognizant of the problem and even think tanks were formed to deal with it. And finally, in the last elections that we had on November 1st, for the first time, we got an absolute majority in the Knesset. Our Knesset has 120 members and we got a 64-seat governing majority uh, comprised of Likud, our governing party, and another um, four uh, minor parties that were all, to the man and woman, committed to judicial reform, to placing limits on judicial power. And the package that was initially put forward by the Justice Minister of Israel in January is an extremely limited package. But the main principle at its core is that there have to be limits on the power of the Supreme Court. There have to be. That whatever they are, they have to exist. They cannot have unlimited power. And this uh, position, which was known, I mean, everybody ran on this platform together as a block. Um, the, the left responded by setting the country on fire. And so you have, you know, you, you have wildcat strikes that are illegal. You have our economic elite saying that we're going to have capital flight, which we don't have, that Israel's economy is going to be destroyed. You had high tech uh, companies, um, moguls that were compelling their employees to go out into the street and oppose judicial reform. And, you know, when we're having in the middle of a high tech crisis globally, people are afraid for their jobs. And so they have to participate in these things. You have bankers saying that they're going to, uh, that, that, they're going to lose all this money and that the Israeli banking sector is not going to be viable. So that it started there and then it moved, as you mentioned, into the army where um, actually in an earlier segment, you had this pilot uh, speaking to a, a reporter and that pilot himself is one of the most radical people in Israel. He's been uh, acting as a political activist. He has not been a fighter pilot in decades, but he used his past operations in the army to present abroad, both in French and in English, in the media, this completely false rendition of events and and uh, ginning up this concept, which is really just a political or psychological warfare operation against the Israeli public <laughs> and against the Israeli media, thinking that there's some sort of a critical mass of fighter pilots in the IAF yeah. that won't fly missions. Yeah. And this also has been shown to be untrue, but it's all part of the same concept of, okay, you actually won a true governing majority to enact the reforms that over the past decades has been building up and now you want to seize the power that we've seized for ourselves since we lost the majority in Israel. And you're trying to take away our retention of governing control through the organs of state against the majority of Israelis. The, the Israel, we've got to go to break, Caroline, but I, I, would, I really need you to stay on because this is quite okay. <clears throat> uh, this is a, a good uh, overview for our audience. Um, Thank you. This is when you say that when you say the permanent state, uh, and mm -hmm. you say what Angelo Cordovella had warned against the ruling class. When you say the permanent state, this is equivalent of what we call the administrative state, or the rogue element mm -hmm. here, the deep state. This is really conservative parties, nationalist parties coming together to say overall we've got to reform the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is essentially bonded with the administrative state. Is is that we've got about thirty seconds? Is that correct? Yes, that's that's exactly right. I mean, it's not that it's bonded; it's leading it. It's their protector, their champion. Yes. 
Caroline, why don't you hang over one second? I have Caroline Glick, uh, an expert in the situation in Israel, an old colleague of mine back from the Breitbart days, just an incredibly brilliant uh, woman. We've also got Natalie Winters going to join us. Ben Harnwell in Rome is going to stick around. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return, and uh, we're going to connect dots today between the election in Spain, what's happening in Israel, updates on the Ukraine, and, of course, the political situation here. The Club for Growth has announced a $20 million Patriot PAC, all to go against Trump. But this is how insidious it is. They're saying they're protecting the Patriot 20. Our colleagues in the House that are fighting the good fight. Also, the Biden, uh, they've reported the Washington Post that Biden's going to run a uh, campaign from the Oval Office. Let outside groups have already raised $2 billion of cash money to defeat MAGA. All next in the war room. Why are so many people buying emergency food right now? As tensions continue to escalate, our fragile food supply chain will break again. One shocking headline spreads panic like wildfire, and grocery stores are empty within hours. That means you really need a proper supply of emergency food on hand before, not after, before disaster strikes. You'll breathe easier knowing you can feed your family in any crisis. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com for your one-week emergency food supply. That's MyPatriot.com for your one-week emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of happy, worry-free customers. It comes in a nifty ammo can that's loaded with delicious food. There's no skimping with these meals, offering over 2,000 calories per day. Don't skip the special $30 savings available this week only on the one-week emergency food supply. This week only, 30 bucks off. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Action, action, action. Use your agency. Take advantage of this special. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bann. Okay, welcome back. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. We're trying to connect a lot of dots here. Um, Caroline Glick, here's what you can help me with. Uh, and with that, hopefully, the audience. Um, I thought that the founders of Israel mainly were of Jews of European descent and that these people were super patriots and very nationalist, almost ultra-nationalist in forming the state of Israel. And when you talk about the ruling class, you're saying they've, they, they now they control the permanent state, but they're clinging to power. Are they now the secular folks, and are they not the same nationalists that form the state of Israel? So there are two things here. Um, one is sociological and the other one is ideological. Um, and um, from a sociological perspective, um, there, I mean, I'm writing a book about it. So it's, it's, it's all, it's all, there are a lot of things here to untangle. But one of them is that Ben Gurion, David Ben Gurion, Israel's first prime minister, uh, to be sure, I mean, Zionism is, is Jewish nationalism. And uh, what guided these people very cl- very clearly along decades and decades, both before the establishment of Israel and then afterwards, was uh, um, absolute devotion to uh, the establishment, the reconstitution of the Jewish commonwealth in the land of Israel after 2,000 years of dispersion. Um, they were secular. Uh, they, many of them were, 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 were extremely anti-religious as well. Um, 
but they were pro-Jewish. And over time, uh, for a lot of reasons, Israel is a small country. We started receiving an enormous amount of Israeli of American military assistance in the 1970s. Uh, before that, we received uh, we we purchased our military uh, platforms from France and Germany, and so um, you know you had a lot more American Americanization of the Israeli military, which sort of separated a layer of Israel's military leadership from the mothership and attached them more to the Pentagon. So uh, that was one aspect of it. And another aspect of it is that beginning in uh, 1993, I was actually serving in the IDF at the time, um, and uh, I saw it happen. Um, the negotiations with the PLO, which began uh, in 1993, uh, also had a radicalizing effect on the general staff. I was a member of Israel's a negotiating team with the Palestinians, and I and I saw it, and that, uh, so long as we're in a situation where the PLO is still considered to be a legitimate force, even though they deny Israel's right to exist, um, the corrosion that was instigated in the general staff and the politicization that began in the general staff with the uh, with the PLO in the 1990s has has been maintained throughout the. Uh, three decades that uh, have followed. So that's also been an aspect to it. So what we've had, particularly in the last 30 years, is a winnowing of um, people who are considered to be uh, for, further to the right, uh, less aligned with the Pentagon um, or with uh, the Israeli left, um, out of the command structure of the IDF as they get closer to the general staff level, and the sort of so, uh, affirmative so, action so you're saying for, the same process, the, 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 in, in, the, the same in the army, yeah, the same the same process that went through here under and it even started with uh, it started with Clinton and uh, and Bush didn't really thwart it and it really picked up on Obama of the winnowing out. Mm -hmm. We have all this woke military now. In fact, the, uh, for the audience, the National Defense Authorization Act should come back. This we got another firefight. On the woke, you're saying that happened in the military too. That's because it looks like Ehud Barak in this crowd and they're surprisingly left wing are actually. I think it looks to the outsiders they're leading essentially a military coup, right? Well, I know people are saying, to. "Well, we're not going to fight." So it's different to take. Is that is that what's going on here? Is this a left wing military coup in Israel? Well, I would say that it's it's a political warfare campaign or a psychological warfare campaign. Uh, using leftists um, uh, as a cudgel to try to convince the government that there's a threat here. But I don't think that it's real. Um, I had on my show last week an Air Force uh, F-16 pilot named Shai Kalach, and he has been exposing, as we had the first wave of this in March, and now we're in the second one uh, in July, uh, he's been exposing that... Uh, you know, they, they say they have a thousand one hundred and forty two signatures of pilots that they're not going to that they're not going to serve in reserve. So, first of all, that sounds like a lot, but it's really, um, you know, less than it, it's maybe one percent of pilots. And, and aside from that, uh, the vast there are no names on it. The people who are leading this are all retired. They haven't been in the cockpit, most of them for over 20 years. Um, and they have 
maybe a couple of active duty reservists who still are in the cockpits in our Army, in our Air Force, uh, pilots remain active duty until they're 51 unless, you know, they have another job that prevents them from flying. And um, so most of the very few that are coming out and saying we're not going to serve are in their late 40s. So you're talking about losing maybe two years of service. Um, and so this is not a real threat, but they're actively colluding. Our, our media, like the media in the United States, is 100 percent mobilized on behalf of the left in Israel. And so um, everything that they write is immediately given credibility. They're working with the top PR firms in Israel, uh, putting out these very scary letters that don't have any signatories on them. They don't have any official representatives of any of these units that are supposedly refusing to serve. So this is really, and it's been exposed as such, a political warfare campaign. And one last thing, you mentioned Ehud Barak, the former prime minister, the former IDF chief of staff, and one of the late Jeffrey Epstein's closest associates. He met with Jeffrey Epstein over 30 times after Jeffrey Epstein was first uh, was first uh, convicted of uh, trafficking uh, of, uh, in minors. Um, and Ehud Barak uh, has, he, we, uh, last week, a video of a, uh, of a conversation, like of a Zoom conversation that he had with a group of these leaders of this so-called protest uh, movement, including the pilots, um, was, uh, was found, and it was from 2020. So, three years before this government was formed, three years before the government announced its judicial reform package, and everything that's happening today, including the slogans that they're, that they're fighting for democracy, their use of reserve pilots, retired reserve pilots, retired special forces operatives, etc., all of the slogans, all of the modes of operation that we're seeing on the streets of Israel today were laid out already in this Zoom conversation that they had in 2020, but at the time they were casting all of it uh, in terms of Corona or COVID-19 um, and their opposition to lockdowns and everything else. So that they've been using, they've this is their playbook that they've put together years in advance that they rolled out after the formation of this government. And one last thing that I exposed a couple of, of weeks ago also at uh, JNS.org, Jewish News Syndicate, where I serve as senior editor, um, that Barack actually started operating now, organizing everything that we're seeing on the streets of Israel today, even before the November 1st election, so that this is not about judicial well, reform. It's about yeah. power. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I posted that on Getter. Over the weekend, I mean, that's kind of my point. This is this mm -hmm. has been something, and this is, and I, I'm trying to make sure the American our American audience here understands that this is coming at you in 2024. When you try to take on, you call it the permanent state. When you try to take on the administrative state or the deep state, they just don't roll over and say, "Oh, this is terrific. Let's toss you the keys." The Barack thing was from several years ago, and what's so shocking about it, it lays out almost in detail. It was like it was made like it was over made the weekend. Over the weekend. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and doesn't that reinforce the fact that it's at the senior levels, this is essentially a military coup by senior field officers and generals of the Israeli Defense Force? No, because the participants in that call were not 
uh, currently serving in the general staff. Having said that, it's very clear that the general staff is at a minimum uncomfortable with uh, clamping down on what's happening. Um, and I'll just give you an example sort of to show the problem, which is that uh, Tomer Bard, the uh, commander of the Air Force, uh, has been almost silent uh, when everything is happening in, in his house, right? And um, the chief of general staff, who was appointed by the, by the former government, two weeks before the election, which is supposed to be illegal in Israel, but, you know, obviously the legal fraternity was 100% behind it, has also been acting with great diffidence in the face of what we're seeing today. Um, but, um, but, but just to be clear, um, last week a video was pro produced by people on the right that was very effective because it showed what will happen uh, if the Air Force pilots go through with what they're doing, that uh, and and it showed sort of a scene of a of a future war. It could happen tomorrow with Hezbollah, and you have forces on the ground asking for air cover because they're being bombed, and the pilot in the cockpit is asking, "Do you support judicial reform?" Before he defends them. Right. And so, right. while right. for months and months and months this has been going on. Uh, with everybody calling to tear apart the IDF or actually working to tear it apart and deny Israeli civilians, Israeli citizens, citizens of Israel, our children, uh, protection. Um, you have one, uh, one sort of ad or, um, or video that comes out on the right fighting back against it. And so whereas the Air Force commander, the chief of staff of the Army, et cetera, have been very diffident, and yeah. on the one hand, on the other hand, at best, with regards to the left, they all yeah. came down like a load of bricks against the right for producing this film. Well, this is, or you're, this you're, you're, you're making my point. You're making, you're, mm -hmm. I think you're making my point. And Caroline, we want to have you back on. Where do people go to get your podcast, where they go to get to all your writing, where they get to, uh, to the, uh, the news service that you edit? Okay, so first of all, I'm the senior editor at JNS.org, and you can get all of my stuff at JNS.org. You can also go to my website, carolynglick.com, to my YouTube channel, The Carolyn Glick Show, to Rumble, my channel, The Carolyn Glick Show, uh, and you can watch my weekly shows. You can uh, read everything that I write either at JNS these days or on my website, which also has an archive of all of my work back to 2002. So it's been a while. And hopefully early next year, my book about what's happening in Israel will be coming out. Caroline Glick, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and for fighting the good fight. Hang in there and we'll thank you. get you back on here ASAP. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Take care. This ties directly to what we covered last week about General Brown, the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In this vote that's going to take place this week, we're trying to track down Frank Gaffney and we'll get Frank back up. This ties back to the NDAA. Remember, the NDAA was passed, I think, 49 to 1 out of the House Armed Services Committee by Republicans, 49 to 1. With all this woke stuff, what is happening in Israel right now is a foreshadowing what is going to happen in the United States in the fall of 2024, and particularly after November of 2024, ladies and gentlemen, when we win? Don't think, don't think you're going to be leaning on your, you're going to be leaning on your rakes 
after victory. Look at the fight that's going on there right now between the permanent state, the administrative state, the deep state, the Israeli military, all of it. Also the lesson from Spain. Short break, back in a moment. Right now, many Americans are feel, feeling powerless. You know the feeling. The economy isn't stable. Crime continues to plague our communities, and those in charge do not seem to care. There's something empowering about knowing that you have the skills to defend yourself, and that's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to drive fire practice with your actual far, firearm at any time in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton of money on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, increase reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon when you go to itargetpro.com right now. Don't rely on the government to make you feel safe. Empower yourself with iTarget Pro. That's the letter itargetpro.com. itargetpro.com and the offer code is Bannon. I offer you a choice, a choice between two worlds. Will you take the blue pill and continue living in a world where a corrupt few control everything? Or will you take the red pill and join us? What the elites don't want you to know is that there are 200,000 open committee man seats in the Republican Party. These party members are the ones who determine the future of the GOP. Let's take our country back, one precinct at a time. Visit precinctstrategy.com now. Is that mic on now? Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, even if you don't care about Israel, if you don't care about Spain, you don't care about anything, these directly all tie back to this fight against the administrative state and the deep state. That's what you're seeing right now in Spain, particularly with the rise of Vox and the combination with this center-right and other right-wing parties being thwarted or trying to be thwarted by these globalists who don't care and are actually exacerbating the invasion of the southern border. Remember, we had Michael Yan go over to both to Spain and Gibraltar and to Morocco to report on this. By the way, Yan's starting a whole trip on the, starting the end of this week on the um, southern border, all 2,000 miles, and we will be going along with him step by step on the show. Israel is what Frank Gaffney's warned us about. I mean, Frank, this plays directly into the NDAA, which now has to have this conference with the Senate and the House and this big fight, and all the wokeness that was in there when the House Armed Services Committee, controlled by Republicans, voted out, I think, 49 to 1 or 59 to 1. Then you had some of these amendments trying to get it out. The Senate's going to put it all back in. And particularly, symbolically, General Brown from the Air Force, that is going to be the chair. You think Milley was bad and woke? General Brown is a whole new level. This gets back to exactly what's happened in Israel. This is the issue with, the, is with Ehud Barak and the Israeli military. You're seeing a, and I'll be adamant about this, you're seeing a woke left-wing military coup in Israel right now. 
and this is when we win in 2024, you're going to have the exact same problem here in the good old United States of America, Frank Gaffney. Yeah, unfortunately, the playbook that we're watching in Israel, whether it's on the judicial reform business or whether it's on this effort to take down the government, the elected government by the majority of the people of Israel, uh, is, I think, very much the same playbook the Marxists in our own country are working from. And one of the reasons, Steve, why we've been focused like a laser, and I've been so appreciative of your help with this, on getting the American people to communicate to their United States senators right now that we want them to reject General Brown by just going to rejectgeneralbrown.org is because if you put in charge of the military, we're not talking about Ehud Barak, who was a former chief of staff of the army and a former prime minister, of course. He He's... He's outside of government. We're talking about putting in charge of the United States military a man who is, you know, I think an avowed cultural Marxist. I mean, he's all about opportunity and so on, but it's the woke agenda that he has been championing. It got him the gig, so it wasn't a bad idea from his point of view, but it's going to be horrific for the United States military. And not only that, Steve, but the other piece of this is, according to the Heritage Foundation, which, as you know, does this terrific annual analysis of what they call the index of U.S. military strength. It's really the definitive unclassified assessment of where we actually stand militarily. This guy got to be the chief of staff of the Air Force in 2020. In 2021, the first of the indexes since he took over as Air Force chief, Heritage Foundation rated the United States Air Force military strength as marginal. 2022, two years into his term, they registered it I, as I, okay. weak. And okay. third, hang 2023, they say on. it's very weak today. I got it. I, I, I got it. But, Frank, you're, you're arguing something. Okay, let me just oh, – hang on. Stop. He's going to get voted overwhelmingly. We're not going to stop that. I, if people want to send letters, let's send letters. And, and that's fine. It's an objective fact that the Air Force is weaker. Heritage knows it. The military knows it. It is – the insidious part is Brown is is – illustrative of a deeper issue. This is what Mattis and Kelly, all of these field grade officers, they did exactly what they did in the Israeli military. You had to be, you had to get your stamp of approval by the administrative and deep state as being woke and open and a globalist and not America first to even get promoted. Brown's just, he's a, he's a symbol of a deeper problem. And the problem is all of them. Look, you just got a new chief of naval operation a female, I have nothing against females, but just look at her record. Another woke, complete ideologue. These people are ideologues. We're not going to stop Brown. Brown's going to get confirmed. He's going to get confirmed overwhelmingly. We can make, put letters and put guys on notice. If you vote for him, that's going to be on your card. But the deeper issue is that to turn this situation around, particularly militarily, 
we have a massive issue and problem that nobody wants to address. And that is just like the Israeli military is doing a left-wing military coup in Israel. And that's what's backed it. Ehud Barak and all these former generals and the guys that they promoted, their former aide-de-camps that are in there, that's exactly what you've got in the Pentagon today. Frank Gaffney. I agree with you on the latter point, and I want to make a somewhat contrary argument on the former. You sure. have sure. guys who have been promoted during the first two of the now three terms of the Barack Obama, Joe Biden administration. That's unquestionably what we're saddled with. But the other piece of this, Steve, hey, is... Hey, hey, Frank, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm going to hold you through the break. We're going to go out with the instrumental in the Civil War, the Bonnie Blue Flag. It was also used by the Union Army because it was a catchy Irish tune. Our celebration in the month of July of American music and old glory. Not the pride flag, the flag we take pride in. The flag of the United States of America. Short commercial break. We're packed in the second hour. Stay tuned and strap in in the war room. Veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that. Because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit JaceMedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, 
and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.